I'm David Nocco, the Almeyer Family Head of School at Parish Episcopal School. Welcome to the From My Angle podcast. We got started with the second half of this podcast season a couple of weeks ago with a visit from Doug Deason. His commitment to criminal justice reform helped get our thinking started about what it means to serve and how we can bring people together in support of worthwhile causes. Of course, service is one of Parish's three long-standing tenants. Our community members like to share their gifts and talents with one another on campus and with a wide range of organizations. We serve as individuals, but we also love to serve together in groups large and small. The array and impact of the service done by members of our community is impressive. Indeed, it is truly part of our culture. Attention exists, though, as our young people, frankly, any young people, travel the path from being reluctant servants, individuals who fulfill their upper school community service requirement of 15 hours a year because they must, to servant leaders, those who have found the sweet spot between a community need and an area that aligns with their interest as individuals. Is this a transition from Service because I have to serve to service because it's a part of who I am that's developmental? Or is it one that the school can accelerate through its points of emphasis and its programs? Or might it just be a bit of both? We explore topics like these in this broad conversation with members of our upper school community. Omari is with me as co-host of this From Our Angle podcast as we invited individuals with a deep commitment to our service tenant to talk with us about their service, the joys and benefits of service, and serving together. Joining us today are Shannon Longfield, who is Parish's Director of Community Service and Leadership Institute, and two members of our Community Service Leadership Board, Senior Tony Jory and Junior Hope Brown. I hope you enjoy this conversation on service at Parish. Welcome back to the second episode of the second half of the season of the From My Angle podcast. We started this month off with Doug Deason and his commitment to criminal justice reform, which helped us get thinking about what it means to serve and how we can bring people together in support of worthwhile causes. Of course, service, for those of you who are in our parish family, is known to be one of our three tenants. And our community members like to share their gifts and talents with one another on campus and with a wide range of organizations here in the Metroplex, across the country, even around the globe. So I wanted to bring my friend Amari in to start the new year on the From Our Angle podcast and talk with some members of our community about this shared commitment to service, the joys and benefits that can be derived from serving individually, but also together. So we have today Shannon Longfield, the Director of Community Service and Leadership Institute of Parish, and two members of our Community Service Leadership Board, Senior Tony Jory and Junior Hope Brown. So I'm so glad to have them all. Omari, welcome back. How are you? Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you too, Mr. Renago. I'm doing how's pretty your, good. How's your senior year progressing, my friend? Uh, it's going okay. Going okay. Going. It's going. It's going. Yeah, okay is probably uh, the, the way to say... It would, we sure wish it'd be a lot better, but we're just accepting the way it is. So I'm right there with you. That's what I told uh, No, 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 no. Okay. Listen, listen. Okay means two more steps, and then I'm at the finish line. So Yeah, you're getting close, my friend. You're just a close. couple of moves, and I'm good. 
You're almost there. So uh, I'm glad to have our friends here today. Ms. Longfield, welcome. We're glad to have you. Thank you. Excited to be here. Thank you, Hope. It's good to see you. And Tony, we're glad to have both of you as well. So let's get started. We're going to do some basic introductions here with a little bit of a twist. So I wonder how long you've been at Parish. And like the one or two activities that, you know, outside of going to school and doing great in your classrooms, the one or two activities that command most of your time. But then the twist, tell us the organization or type of service that is closest to your heart. Okay. So we're going to start with our co-host, Amari. You don't need to do all the introductions. People know you pretty well. Drop them in if you wish. But I'd like to know the organization that is closest to your heart when it comes to your service. Are you referring to in the parish community? Yeah, wherever you serve. I mean, in any in any context, whether it's through parish or just things that you do. I know for you, for example, through your church. Um. Yes, uh, at much. Well, ever since Corona recently, we mm -hmm. haven't been able to, to have that much service. So outside of church, I would ha have to say like the uh, leadership institute at Parish, and and like that is one way that I've been able to see multiple young people uh, come up with multiple service ideas, either within our parish a uh, community, uh, and as and as well as deploying themselves in our near a community as well, making an impact. So um, our leadership institute at Parish, I believe, is a great organization that truly instills and preaches the uh, like the the uh, true meaning and, and values of service. Yeah, we'll circle that's back to close that's, to a great, that's a great example. And we'll come back and talk even a little bit about your lead project, which is connected to your church in, in a bit. Um, OK, Hope. So tell us a little bit about yourself, a couple of the activities you like to do, and the service organization or activity that's closest to your heart. Yeah, so I'm Hope. I've been at Parish for, I think this is my 14th or 15th year, so a very long time. Um, some of the activities that occupy most of my free time, I read a lot. I read a lot. Uh, it's probably unhealthy. But other than that, I also cheer. It occupies much more of my time in the football season, but it still occupies most of my mornings. And then my favorite type of service would just be anything involving kids. Mm. Um, just some nonprofits that I've worked with, like Reconciliation Outreach, Volgo Alcove. I've taught VBS at my church for the past five years, and I'm also serving as a Blair Fellow this year. So just any work with kids. Awesome. So you like the working with those young people. Tony? Hi, uh, my name is Tony Jory. I've been at Parish. This is my third year. And uh, a lot of stuff that I like to do is obviously like SDLC work. I like, you know, promoting connectivity on campus. Cross country is one of my favorite activities in the track season. So those are my sports. And my favorite service opportunity actually comes from uh, the nonprofit I started where I mentor kids uh, throughout the pandemic in New York, California, Connecticut, et cetera. And that's been really, really, uh, really interesting since I've been able to reach kids. And when I thought like my nonprofit work like at Anne Frank was over, I started extending it over to like different parts of the country through virtual mentoring, which has been pretty interesting. So I can't wait to dig into that some more with you. That sounds fan sounds fantastic. Uh, all right, Ms. Longfeld, you get the question too. Okay, so this is my sixth year at Parish and I'm a mom of three. 
uh, wife of one. <laughs> um, and so that occupies a lot of my time, even though they're older, uh, even at 21, 19 and 16, they still need a lot of input. Um, welcome or not. Uh, so that takes a lot of time. I'm also a voracious reader, like my friends here. Um, and, uh, if you know me, you know, I spend a lot of time on my Peloton, um, which is twofold. It's to be healthy, but also it's good bit of, uh, mental health involved there. And, uh, I'm an avid knitter and crocheter. Oh, and service wise, anything with kids. I'm like, hope I, I feel like, you know, if we, um, as, a society are not protecting the people who can't protect themselves, then what are we doing? Like, what's the point of service and, and servant uh, leadership? So um, yeah, we'll talk some more about uh, some of the organizations that, that we work with here at Parish. So we have a lot of people here focused on um, working with the young, with young people, right? In education, that's where my service um, is directed away from my job here at school as a member of the board of United to learn and, and its commitment to now over 40,000 um, Dallas independent school district elementary school students through the work that United to learn does so we all have that commonality, um, though there are those among us in this community here who serve a variety of different types of organizations and in different sectors of service which I'm sure we'll touch on a little bit. Okay, Tony so you and hope as you all mentioned are part of the upper school uh, community service leadership board. And I think we should touch on this as part of the structure of parish and how service takes place here in some cases alone, but in, all, in many cases together with uh, members of the community. So um, Tony, tell us what um, the upper school community service leadership board does. Uh, essentially we provide service opportunities for the upper school. We plan service events. And in addition, like it's like kind of promoting excellence through service. So I would say like that's the facet of the wisdom, honor, and service that we take through parish. And um, I just feel that like when we run like you know service drives and stuff like that, it's just also providing that connectivity yet again throughout the community through service. So yeah, and just to add a little onto yes, that, um, the boards. I really love the board because they recognize uh, servant leaders within the community, within the overarching community service leadership board, there's a distinct group called the faculty and staff appreciation board. And this group will make like monthly goodie bags or like letters of appreciation for the faculty and staff members in the parish community. And I, it's just really awesome because it just like shows our gratitude for these servants who might be often overlooked. How many students, hey guys. On, how many students serve on the board, Miss um, Longfield? Um, on the board, I don't have it right in front of me. I think there are seven yeah. members. And yeah. are you all elected or do, is this uh, is this the type of uh, upper school body that um, you simply express interest in joining, um, Tony? The, the, uh, for this one, you have to apply. So mm -hmm. application process is it's like not exactly it's not very selective, but I feel it's like super introspective. Mm -hmm. So the question one of the questions uh, for last year was how would you uh, deal with people who like how people think about poverty? So that was an interesting question, which I had to like really think about. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't just something that I just like fill out and just turn in. It was something like, wow, like it kind of changed my perspective and kind of helped me uh, figure out like where I stand on that issue. So I feel like the application is pretty, it's like pretty insightful. It's something that's just like, like an experience. Yeah. yeah, I would say like it's, it's, we don't obviously, I mean, we never want this, but we don't want kids to do it just to fluff their resume, right? Like, 
I think the, the questions are, um, as Tony put it, more introspective. We want the kids to be more introspective. Why do you really want to do this? Why do you want to be a part of this? Yeah, that, and that makes good sense uh, to ensure that they're really representing this tentative service to those in the community at, the, at that level of excellence that Tony was Tony and Hope. talking about. Go ahead, Amar. Um, um, I have a question for Tony and Hope. Um, like, I know that we have constantly been using the term service, but to like an, an average individual where service hasn't been something um, instilled in them or taught to them. Could y'all give like a couple of examples of how someone else can also uh, be a servant leader and like what that looks, what that truly looks like? Yeah. How do you bring people into it? Um, Hope, how do you all really try to pitch, pitch services as something everybody can do if they haven't been familiar with it? Well, there's typically monthly, during a normal school year, we do like monthly or trimester, uh, once a trimester chapel presentations. Mm-hmm. I serve as chapel chair, so that would be my job mm-hmm. this year, but obviously mm-hmm. we haven't been able to do that under the circumstances. Mm-hmm. And those presentations serve to educate the upper school community mm-hmm. on a specific spotlight agency or need in the community. Mm-hmm. Typically, they're also advertising certain book drives or donation drives that we're doing. Mm-hmm. So just through spreading the word through something upper school wide, like a chapel homily is a way we get students involved. Um, Tony, do you want to talk about the, you know, we'll get into this tension a little bit about the service that the type Amari was just referring to servant leadership, you know, this, this notion that we can all do well just from our own internal desire to do it versus uh, you have to do community service hours to graduate. So take us through the upper school students required community service hours, and then maybe Hope can uh, jump in to explain how juniors actually have to do um, a more significant commitment to service. So Tony, give us the basics. What is each upper school student expected to do? So each year, every upper school student needs to do 15 hours. In addition, if you're part of like NHS, you have to do an extra 10. National Um, Honor Society, right. Right. And then with two hours of tutoring within that. So um, yeah, but just 15 every, every year. And uh, Hope, would you like to add anything? Yeah, talk about that junior leadership project and, and maybe Omari can tell us a little bit about what he did for his, uh, his junior leadership project. Go ahead, Hope. Yeah, so uh, your junior year, you get this really neat opportunity to complete a junior service project. And I believe it's like 10 of your hours have to be from that project. I could be wrong. But um, you can really do whatever you want so long as it's approved by Ms. Longfield. Um, and so if you're really passionate and you've worked a long time with a certain organization, a certain nonprofit, you can do your project through them or parish offers a wide variety of different service opportunities. Like for example, I serve as a Blair fellow and basically I, I work with a kindergarten class and I go in about once a week for a couple of hours and just work and play with the kids. Um, so there's a lot of really neat diverse opportunities that parish offers that you can do for your junior service project. Yeah, the Blair Fellow is named after our founding head of school, Mary Blair, and, and this program has, um, in, in, a, in again, a, a, a normal year, as we keep saying, uh, close to a couple dozen uh, upper school students who um, have served as Blair Fellows and tend to do that over time. So Hope, I don't know when you, you began, but you, you're probably in your second year of doing that at this point, aren't you? Or I just started this year. So ah. this is my first year. So I'll be able to do it for another year. So two years. Yeah. So you can do it those last couple of years of, of high school. Amari, do you, what did you do for your junior um, service project? 
My junior service project. Mm-hmm. Uh, your ten hours. Like, where did you focus those? Is that your junior year? My junior year, <laughs> when the pandemic happened, I did um, like majority of my hours like through online service activities. The years got interrupted. So, yeah. so like um, one of the ones that I vividly remember was that I had the opportunity, like uh, I could like face video call like people in, in uh, uh, not homeless shelters. Um, no, what is old folks homes called? But not old folks. home or yeah, 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 sir. And I could either call them or, mm-hmm. or like I could send them positive post notes. Yeah, and I thought that that was so great because uh, this past Christmas I had the opportunity uh, with my m- mom and some of our church members. We went Christmas caroling uh, in a uh, retirement home, mm-hmm. and, and like the the feeling of like how much like joy we just brought them. I just coming and singing to them and giving them like socks or something and yeah. and just saying hey merry christmas we love you yep. like all of their faces just lit up and like honestly when i first walked in like a lot of them weren't really smiling but so that was one service opportunity i did have last yeah. year yeah a lot of the juniors really i forgot got interrupted last year in that ability to the junior project to really commit to something substantial for a significant number of hours and direct your service to one place which those rewards you just described omari are amplified when you're able to give substantial amount of your time to one place but miss longville this brings us really as i mentioned to this crux of the of the tension around service right service shouldn't be something to a certain degree one could argue that you're required to do or just tick off hours um, it's like a thing I have to do versus something that I wish to do because I derive this type of fulfillment from it that Amari was just describing. So, I mean, let's lay it out there, honestly, like give us the honest assessment of how upper school st- students handle the upper school community service commitment, how much chasing around, what percentage of kids you have to chase around to, to get their 15 hours recorded versus what percentage of your kids are, you know, like the folks gathered on, on this call, uh, committed to do it, just intrinsically motivated to do it. Yeah. So, I mean, definitely some kids um, just have a servant's heart. You know, they, they're just from early on in their lives, they, they have, you know, have that need they want to fulfill by giving others uh, their time or or work or whatever. Um, But of course, you know, like most of our students are typical teenagers. And we talked earlier about the teenage brain and it is a thing of wonder. Um, it definitely pulls them in a million directions. And um, they have, you know, on our campus, an abundance of opportunities, responsibilities, distractions mm-hmm. um, that, uh, that are constantly competing for their time and attention. But I would say in my estimation, I think parish students are surprisingly engaged in service. Um, certainly not across the board, we run the gamut. Yeah. Uh, but just a little piece of data, because I love a little piece of data because it tells a story. Um, as of today, we have 438 upper school students um, on MobileServe 
and they have served 5,692 hours. Mm. Um, so that's pretty amazing when you think about it. Um, you know, if you break that down, you're looking at about 13 hours per kid. That is not how it breaks down, obviously. Sure. You got kids that do 100, 100 plus hours and get presidential. Right. Cody, how many hours do you have? Uh, like total of like last year and this year? I mean, just this year. This year alone, it should be like around 75, 60. Yeah. So, you know, Tony's carrying like five other kids, <laughs> right. <laughs> so, like, which is fine. I mean, that that's that's the world, right? That yeah. represents a, a real group of 438 teenagers. Yeah. Um, but what I would say, and this goes back to what Omari just said, um, the hope, obviously, and the reason I do this job is because we want those kids, you know, when they are serving somewhere, maybe for the first time, maybe for the 10th time, um, they get in the flow of the work mm -hmm. and then they suddenly find themselves in this place of joy. And, you know, it may be like Omari said, they may witness a smile on someone's face. Mm -hmm. They might just get a warm, fuzzy feeling inside. Who knows? But at some point they sort of have this aha moment where service turns from a have to mm -hmm. to a want to. Yeah. And, um, you know, I mean, I heard it in Hope's words. You can hear it in her voice when she talks about, you, know, you can hear a smile in someone's voice. And I heard that, I can see it, but I heard that smile in Hope's voice when she mentioned those kindergartners. Um, you know, service is, is definitely something we get a lot from, even though um, we are, we're the ones giving, we're receiving a tremendous mm -hmm. amount. So once kids kind of get in that groove of like, oh, this this is really a gift to me mm -hmm. as well. Um, you know, then I think they shift from have to, to want to. Um, yeah, I think that's well said. And um, Hope Brown smiles ever present. Those of you that know Hope Brown. So that's that, that you, you see it all, you see it all the time. So Tony and Hope and Omari, like, I wonder how you assess the culture of servicing your peers. I think Ms. Lompo gave us a fair assessment of the busyness of, of students probably the inherent desire of most of them to do it, even if they don't get on mobile serve and, and plug the hours in. So Ms. Longfeld can, can keep good records, but that they're generally willing to do it, but that it really runs the gamut. I mean, do you all see it any differently, Tony? Like you get us started, like how do you assess the culture of service or more people have to do's or um, love the fact that they get to do people? Um, I feel like I, I, like I used to be one of those people, like my sophomore year, like when I was new, like I yeah. was struggling to like get these hours because like in my old school, like hours were not required. Right. So I was like, oh, wow, 15 hours. So then, um, like as soon as that, that came about, like, I was like, there's so many other things for me to do. I'm still immersing in the school. Mm -hmm. And uh, like, eventually like my friends, they were like, you just have to do them. Like, there's no other way. And they were like, you should split them up over three weekends, you know, just do five hours, two days on each or something like that. So like, it's the general culture, like people want to do them and they know that they have to, and like, they're going to get them done. So it's like, it's not going to be like something that they're going to, you know, get a grade hold or like uh, probation over it. Like they're going to finish them no matter what. And it's like, and it's not something seen as negative. I see it's like pretty neutral and people are like, we're just going right. to do this. Early. So I think it's like, it's better than most. Yeah. Really interesting point you raised about the notion of if you didn't have the required hours, maybe that, that switch that Ms. Lomfeld was talking about that sort of flips you, flips it would never get flipped if you didn't have the hours. Right. So there is a, a, maybe some benefit to compelling it. Hope, what do you, what do you, what do you see? Well, 
I think at first, what just what I've noticed in a lot of my peers and like every year in April when there's the yeah. <laughs> red sheet of students posted outside of the community service office door and the highlighted ones are the students who've completed their hours and there's only like seven highlighted. Um, that's when I kind of get the feeling that the student, a lot of the student body sees completing these hours as a very like perfunctory task, something that they have to do and they'll just do it fast. They'll do it last minute. They'll go to North Texas Food Bank for the last three weekends in April and get them all done. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's kind of problematic to leave it off because you don't get as great of an opportunity to try out other nonprofits. I think service becomes less obligatory and more enjoyable going from that have to to want to, like you were discussing earlier, Miss Longfield, when you're mm-hmm. able to find a type of service that you're passionate about. Mm-hmm. Like my Blair Fellow class, I push off homework because I want to go see the kids. Mm-hmm. Like not like I almost doubled my hours and try one that I needed because right. I visited them so often. So it's just about finding the service that's right for you, something that you'll enjoy. Yeah, that's really hard for, I think, adolescents that are still trying to find themselves as people anyway, you know, then then you got to layer on a place that, you know, you really feel that type of deep, uh, deep connection, deep connection to what do you uh, what do you sense partner Omar you like how do you how do you how do you see it you're at the end of the journey here, you and Tony like looking back, how do you see service as part of the culture in upper school. I would definitely say starting off at Paris. I was definitely one of the kids that hope would uh, was describing one would like who would hold it off and be like, oh man, I definitely have to do these community service hours. Um, but I would say like um, like it's kind of like the the like addiction of like winning, mm. and and like after you get like around helping others and you like can feel that you're actually impacting someone else's life and also while you're in service like you don't know like who else you can meet that's from probably serving at the same time as you so like there was so many factors as I slowly but surely gave um, a community service my time I started to like it more and more so uh, as of now with my uh, leadership project, uh, I'm soon to have that done in, in the next few weeks. So uh, hopefully by the next time, well, next month's podcast, uh, I can talk a little bit or a lot of bit about that. So, and that's one thing that even though I, uh, as many of you are not play uh, sports and football, but that's one thing that I very, uh, I'm very passionate about and it's very near to my heart is my leadership projects. Yeah, Ms. So. Longfield, uh, I'm already referenced that off the top, this notion of the uh, 17, 18 students in each grade level cohort of the Leadership Institute have a lead project. Uh, Omari is in the fact wrap, wrapping his up. You're, you and I are watching that uh, very carefully. Hint, hint, Omari, um, as you bring that to the finish line. <laughs> tell, us a bit about, tell us a little bit about the lead project, specifically you know, how students latch on to um, nonprofits in many instances for that. Some people are doing business side elements of, of a lead project. Tell us a little bit about what happens with the lead project and Leadership Institute. Okay, so also, you know, Hope has just launched hers yes. as well um, as a junior. So um, yeah, I mean, it, it, for me, it's interesting, you know, it's my first year in this role. And so it, it immediately struck me how many kids yeah. gravitate towards 
a service oriented project. And I mean, it doesn't surprise me because I, I see our kids, you know, they, they immediately think like, well, if I'm going to do something, it better be something that gives back. Right. And so I think that that is, it's interwoven into, you know, parish leads, parish search. I mean, they've been around it. If they've been at parish a minute, they have been indoctrinated mm-hmm. <laughs> and they, yep. and it really is, it's part of our culture. So um, it's not surprising to me at all, but, um, but yeah, like for example, Hope's project is um, she's going to do a pop-up um, bookshop um, the books will be free of charge, but uh, for the kiddos over at Cigaroa. Uh, mm-hmm. So she combined, you know, two things she loves, which is reading and literacy um, and giving back to kids. So it, it, it's not, you know, even the, even the projects in leadership that have sort of a business slant to them, mm-hmm. the kids kind of can't help themselves from gravitating towards some sort of service element. Right. And, uh, I think it's a testament to our, to our culture and, and uh, our dedication to our tenants. Yeah, I have been involved uh, relatively closely with the Leisure Institute since it got going in, in 2013. You know, I can attest to the number of different agencies across the Metroplex, if not globally, that, um, me- that members of the Institute have, have touched with their, uh, with their projects. And we talked exactly about that, which Hope was alluding to earlier, this notion of being passionate about what you do. We say like, identify your gifts and your skills and find the intersection where that crosses with a need in the world and literacy is a need in the world in Hope's instance. And she's got a real passion for that. So that's a perfect intersection for her to work in, to discover that place where the service to her is going to feel invisible and frictionless. And her desire to give there um, will um, actually be something that um, she's willing to put off homework for, like going over to see the Blair Fellows. Like it just feels like the thing she wishes and prioritizes to do. We could get every kid, obviously, at 18 to graduate from here, finding that um, environment where where service is um, you know, natural because it's just intersected with who they now see themselves to be and what the world needs, that'd be fantastic. It's not gonna happen, but it's certainly the you know, it's certainly the ideal to which we we pursue. Well, so and Tony, time, yeah, go ahead. Tony go also, ahead. I mean, not part of the Leadership Institute, unfortunately, right. he came to us as a sophomore, so yeah. uh, he just missed it. But a uh, similar story with with his nonprofit that he founded. Um, his passion aligned with a need, and you know, he was able to combine meditation and. Um, <clears throat> you know, mental health with engineering. Um, and, you know, again, yet another example, and I'm privy to a lot of these just because of the role I'm in this year um, that I entered into this year. And it's amazing to me. Um, one of the things that I love most about uh, serve the community service kind of format or platform that we use um, is that the kids enter a reflection. Mm-hmm. And so I get to hear these stories you know, via those reflections all the time. And they even upload photographs. And um, so there's just so many wonderful things these kids are doing all the time. Um, and, you know, some under the radar, some we're aware of, but yeah, we have yeah, a- such, an, such an awesome segue, um, Tony, to, to, um, before we shift to talking about how we serve together, this has been an issue you've taken on, 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 on its own. So tell us more about the nonprofit you've just launched here in the last several months. Uh, no, actually, I've launched in 2018. Oh, so wow. that's, awesome. yeah, so I started teaching at Anne Frank. So like, it was like a lot of work getting into that school and all that. And then as soon as I started teaching there, I the pandemic came, obviously. So I had to like figure out alternatives on how to like reach students. 
So it started like with me applying to multiple virtual service organizations. And eventually we found a partner in New York who would partner up with us. And that's where like 80% of our students are coming from right now. So the so, virtual add-on is the most recent component of it. That's what you've added most recently. Awesome. Correct. Yeah. So partner like, in New York, this partner in New York directs you. Do you have any others that are doing this with you or are you, are you the sole service provider? Uh, it's just me. I've employed a couple of freshmen who have been with me on my journey, including Chris and Jacob. Um, right. Yeah, it's been pretty nice. Um, but so far we've like reached like 200, 300 kids around the country. And um, yeah, it's just been a real like eye-opening thing since virtual service is so much different than real service, but you're still they making- They like 30 minute appointments or like how do you set up a, um, how do you set up a, a, a service with a person that needs it? So essentially they're classes with like 15 to 20 kids mm -hmm. for like yeah. an hour a day, every day. Um, just, uh, just each day of the week and we just teach them and, um, essentially like we'll switch off classes, et cetera. But yeah, it's just, are they uh, all in the same location or are they coming in from different locations? Uh, yeah, we're, they're all coming from mainly we're like focusing on the Bronx, New York right now. Um, yeah. we have some students in California, some in Connecticut, some in Florida, but right now, like the Bronx is our focus. Good for you, partner. That is um, very, very impressive. You mentioned, and Frank, we probably won't have a lot of time to talk about the organization that I referenced, United to Learn. United to Learn uh, links schools like Parish and other private schools in the community with uh, partner independent, Dallas independent schools. We happen to have two, Cigaroa and Anne Frank. And so um, through that partnership, we pursue the outcomes that are important to United to Learn, literacy, social emotional intelligence, um, advocacy, building advocates for public schools uh, like these young people here who get to go serve uh, in those places. And so it's been a rich relationship for, for Parrish, uh, both with Cigaroa, with whom our community is deeply involved, and also as Tony referenced with Anne Frank. But I do want to talk about this notion of how we come together to serve, like collectively. And so, Ms. Onfield, one of the big examples of this is Parish Serves, which unites all three divisions three times a year in a service effort. So, again, as we were just alluding to with Omari's junior leadership project from last um, spring, it's been a, an odd time. But tell us some present, uh, the present example, what we're doing for Parish Serves this year, maybe some ideas of how we've worked together as a community on that in the past. Okay. So Parish Serves is um, school-wide, school-supported community outreach program. And basically what, um, what we do with Parish Serves is we give to um, other organizations in DFW who are not as fortunate as Parish. <coughs> so, um, you know, that manifests in a lot of different ways over the years, um, but drives are one of the... Um, one of the ways that we we definitely have reached out we've done toy drives we've done art supplies food we've done monetary donations um last year we kind of married our um internal event uh, legacy that we also do three times a year with parish serves because it just makes sense um Omari's and my legacy family go honor 18 um and yes well <laughs> Right. Um, and uh, so instead of, you know, just doing a pep rally or something around school spirit, we we focused on giving back. Mm -hmm. um, and Miss Longfield. Sorry. May I say something uh, before I forget about the, the uh, legacy part? Sure. Uh, one thing through the legacy program at Parish, uh, Miss Longfield since she is one of our uh, counselors while we're there, 
she, I believe that she can attest that when I first got there, like I really didn't know how to like talk or, or like uh, communicate with like the younger children. <laughs> and like, as I like uh, progressively got more comfortable with them, uh, something that I come to find out is like, you, you can be a servant leader even to like maybe like someone who is younger than you but looks up to you like so there's multiple um ways of uh, of being a servant leader because everyone like you don't have to set up a non-profit as tony did but which is a great feat but like everyone doesn't have to do that to have an impact um in the community and i'm sorry to cut you off but legacy was definitely one thing that showed me that i could have impact on someone that's near me even in my school so that's a really good point and legacy itself as an act of service for the older students like you within it omar so i think it's i think it's a well-placed a well-placed thought but um as you were saying sometimes it connects to parish serves miss longfield sometimes it, it doesn't but it has happened to in some recent in recent instances yeah, and we've actually partnered with the CSLB and they now have a committee that is focused on legacy. So, of mm. course, they stepped right up. They were like, what can we do? Um, and, you know, so they they're, you know, hand in hand parish serves and legacy. Um, and Omari, I remember very clearly um, when I first kind of saw you in that role of being a role model um, slash servant leader for those young kids in our uh, legacy group. And I think, you know, it just makes sense that when we're doing an act of service, you can do that same thing because they're watching this really cool football player mm -hmm. um, or, you know, really cool uh, kid in theater or whatever. Uh, they're watching them give back and they're, they're, you know, seeing it firsthand, they're doing it alongside them. Um, so it, it's such a beautiful way to, to kind of like naturally integrate service into our daily life and our traditions at parish. I mean, to me, legacy, I love traditions. I come from, you know, small private school and those traditions were so meaningful to me. Um, mm -hmm. And I feel like legacy is one of those things at parish. Um, and so, parish serves, I think parish serves is becoming that too. It's, you know, yes. five, five or so, five, six years old, we've been doing it. And so I think it's beginning to get some traction as, as a commitment. And it's really highlighted those United to Learn partner schools too, because often Cigaroa, uh, and or Anne Frank are beneficiaries of some of the efforts that we're doing either on a co drive or um, some form of supply drive back to school drives, etc. So I think that really works that way. Another of the really cool collective acts of service that the communities come to embrace in, in the last several years is, is parish family performs. Um, and, you know, a handful of years, I can't place his exact start time. I think it's around five years ago. And this one emanates out of parish arts. And so, um, you know, a lot of our teams, uh, athletic teams or, or other um, entities like parish leads will uh, incorporate acts of giving and service within their effort. But um, parish arts has really adopted parish family performs and uh, hope your family, especially your dad, who uh, is uh, a performer in that effort, um, participates every year. So tell us a little bit about PFP and, and, and how that and how that works coming out of the arts um, arts department. Absolutely. PFP is like definitely one of my favorite things that Parish offers. Um, just to elucidate a little, if you aren't already familiar, it's actually one of the junior service project opportunities you can complete that Parish offers, as I was mentioning earlier. And it's this production that's put on every year of 
consisting of like musical numbers and routines. And the cast is entirely composed of parish faculty and staff, parish parents and parish alumni. Um, my sister who graduated with the class of 2020 last year, um, she led it as her junior service project. And this year as an alumni member, she actually participated in it. My dad has been, yeah. <laughs> and then my dad has been participating for the past four years. He's a musical theater nerd at heart, but yeah, it's just, it's such a great thing that the school offers. I love and it. so the two juniors that um, put uh, the organizational effort behind procuring the acts to come in and perform uh, vaudevillian, oftentimes, uh, you, you know, f funny and, and uh, underskilled and just vulnerably so, but the two juniors that get to pull all those acts together, then take the proceeds from those of us that buy tickets to go to PFP to be entertained and direct it to their particular service uh, or cause of interest. I don't know if you remember what Laney's um, was, Hope, do you? I can't, was, I can't recall. Um, I don't remember the exact name, but it was an organization pertaining to mental health. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. It, she and Alex did it on, on, uh, on, on wellness, mental health. So each year that cause comes forward. And again, it, it has the twofold of raising visibility about the, the, the need or the issue in the community and then putting some action in terms of uh, commitment of, of dollars or support behind it. So um, that power of coming together. Um, Amari, Tony, have you all done um, collective service that uh, has resonated with you over the course of um, your time, similar to, to PFP? Tony, have you done any kind of group service? You're kind of getting into it here the way you're building out your your, your present effort, bringing some freshmen along with you, but any other examples? Yeah, a big one that I do, like typically, I, uh, this year we even were able to do some of it, but um, something I do is I uh, feed my starving children, which takes place at Paris oh, yeah. a times a year. Mm -hmm. That's a big yep. one. Like we always like, uh, like a lot of family <clears throat> flies in from like other countries and everything. And like, we just take them to this because like we get to show them obviously Paris, but then they also get to like, you know, do some service. That's not, uh, that's pretty fun. So that's something we do to, you know, like as like a part of, uh, I guess, like seeing Dallas, because I think that's a big part of our lives just service. That's a great example. A lot of our community members have participated in the Feed My Starving Children. We've hosted it. And there's definitely something to the vibe about being together doing it as opposed to just strolling in there on your own, which would be if you're passionate about issues of hunger and food scarcity, you would go and be passionate about it. But it's just that added element of doing it together. Um, add some add some joy to it. Uh, Amara, do you have one from uh, uh, kind of your four year experience that was more of a collective uh, collective service uh, experience or not or, or not? Uh, as a collect, other than feeding my starving children. Yeah, the football team did that as a group. I know, right? Yes, sir. But I don't believe other than that, like I don't actually recall of a group. Yeah, one that was in a group. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that's the, that's the piece that we as an institution are collectively committed to service as a tenant and it individually manifests and sometimes it collectively manifests. But as, uh, as Ms. Longfield was talking about, it really is part of the, of the culture. I mean, if I were to give you a, a kind of a final say of a sentence or so as to, you know, what services come to mean to you uh, and why it's just so gratifying, how, how would you, in, how would you encapsulate that? And I'll let whoever wants to jump in first like why why service has been so powerful for you just raise your hand in the room box and i'll call you in go ahead hope um for me it probably well my blair fellow classroom is situated 
on the outside of the building. Like there's these like three big windows towards the outside. And to get to the classroom, I have to walk down this set of stairs and across the sidewalk to get in the view of the kids. And whenever I like walk down the stairs and am in the view of the kids, just like the way that their faces light up, they all jump mm -hmm. up. They're like, Miss Hope, Miss Hope is here. And they're like so excited. And it's just because they're so young, like they don't even, it's just so pure and so genuine. And just because of that, just because it's completely real and their, <laughs> like their excitement, mm -hmm. uh, it just means the world to me to see like how grateful they are that I'm there and how excited they are to see me. And not to put words in your mouth, but I would suggest that the, maybe the answer as to why that is, is because it's important us to know that we matter, not in an egotistical way, but just that by our presence being there um, is meaningful to somebody else, right? And I think at the end of the day, that's where we get with those organizations that we really wish to commit ourselves to. Those kids are, they're calling out to that because you're filling their heart and their minds and uh, they appreciate the love you give to them and, and that matters to them. You matter to them. Um, uh, I'll come to you last, uh, Amari, for, um, for, for, the, for the closing comment with, from the co-host. Tony, do you, do you have a summative sentence on what service has come to mean to you or how it feels to you? Yeah, I feel that like I had this uh, service block my sophomore year where I was like, what do I do? Like, I really have like, there's like this sense of lack of purpose. But mm -hmm. I feel that um, anything, like I started volunteering like for the Salvation Army, just like researching high like I worked on that for like 10 hours like just researching everything about high schools so they could like get donators and then eventually I was like oh let me try this out let me try this out so I feel it's like preparing you to get a self of self-purpose before you go into a career because like it's for a bigger purpose so I feel like service is should be a mandatory part of everyone's journey because it helps you uh, find the right opportunities going into your future and in addition on the way you get to help a lot of people so that's one thing for service. It's just been like finding my motives on like, you know, being human, helping other humans as well. Yeah. Beautiful statement of, of not just mattering, but um, doing something on purpose, you know, and, and that service service gives you that sense of direction. How about you, Ms. Longfeld? What do, what do you, what do you take away most in terms of your connection to service? So I think for me, it's um, I love people, mm -hmm. um, almost all of them. And <laughs> they just, it, it, getting to know somebody feeds my soul. Like mm -hmm. seeing, finding a connection with another human being to me is just why I'm here. It's what it, it's, you know, I love it anyway. So service gives you that opportunity. You know, it, it gives you the opportunity to connect with so many different people from so many walks of different walks of life. And um, I've never been in a situation um, where I've been giving my time um, or effort and, and not felt so compensated hmm. just simply by, you know, the, the lift, the joy, the, um, the light that, is provided by that. Yeah, all three of you are so eloquent around that. Co-partner, we'll let you uh, we'll let you bring us home. Uh, your thoughts uh, here to to finish up this conversation today on service. Um, maybe the the last thing I could probably say is like, um, I feel like that service is one thing that everyone can do, and and like in a way, like find, um. Like, I wouldn't say self-worth, but, like, uh, truly just find yourself capable mm. to impact the 
world outside of just what you're used to. And like, I feel like that everyone, um, like it's, it's always like everyone says, it's always easier said than done. So like a lot of people um, don't have the opportunity um, to serve. And like, I, and I believe that if everyone tries to serve and get that sense of self, like that would definitely change their perspective hmm. on how they can impact the world. Like that might've not made sense at all, but. <laughs> no, I think the, the act of giving, I hear you saying the act of giving yourself away to others helps define who you are. I mean, it's actually forming of, of, of your own sense of identity and sense of self. It's, imp- it's an important part of construction to be for others, not just, um, you know, not just for yourself. That's how I, I heard you say it. And, and I would only close by, by saying I read an article just yesterday about really this proliferating research on, to Tony's point, leading lives of purpose and what they're finding about people who are living long lives is that just getting up each day with a sense of purpose it extends life experience. And in places like Japan, this doesn't have to be starting a nonprofit like Tony that is touching lives across the country. That's awesome. But they see it there as, uh, for example, um, cleaning the streets, you know, as an elderly person who gets up and cleans the street in front of their house, just those basic, simple things of giving yourself away to something uh, larger than yourself gives a sense of purpose that actually is restorative to, to well-being and health. So uh, I know we'll continue to do it as individuals. The Community Service Leadership Board will continue to uh, trumpet it and its cause uh, amidst the upper school community and that our institution will continue to live into its tenet of service. And I'm so thankful to have had uh, you all here with Amari and me for this uh, From My Angle podcast. We're going to continue. I hope to uh, explore this some more next month with um, Abby Williams from United to Learn to talk a little bit more about the work of that organization in the community and how Parish gets together with them to make it happen. And Amari and I are hopeful to have a special guest at the end of next month, who I'm not going to say now in case we can't make it happen, but uh, a local uh, political figure who we can talk to about how young people today can help make our city a better place. So um, stay tuned for that. A little bit of a teaser. Now we have to deliver Omari. So we're going to have to get to work on that. I think we, I think we can definitely do it. Uh, Omari's uh, he's just come back on from a little connection issue. No, you sound back. I'm back. Good, good, Good to have you back. Y'all, thanks for being with us on the podcast. We sure appreciate it. Have a great rest of your day. I'll let you get back to learning from a distance here on this Wednesday afternoon. We'll see y'all. Thanks much. Thank you you all. Thank you. Bye, guys. Thank you for listening to this edition of the From My Angle podcast. Please share it with your friends and colleagues in your network. In our next episode, we'll extend this conversation on Parrish's commitment to service One of Parrish's strongest vehicles for delivering service comes as a result of our partnership with a local nonprofit, United to Learn. I will have United to Learn's founder and CEO, Abby Williams, with me to talk about how together Parrish and UTL are seeking to address the issue of educational inequity in Dallas. Until then, thanks for joining me on the From My Angle podcast.